coming up on Pass the Secret Sauce. I had to highlight some of the more common. One, you're too emotionally tied to the business, which is understandable, right? It's your baby. That's your blood, sweat, and tears for 30, 40, sometimes 50 years. Mm-hmm. Um, more often than not, you don't you don't professionalize your, your business or your practice. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is audited financials, um, track record of growth, um, the right team in place, that type of thing, mm-hmm. right? Um, if you can't show proven results and performance and numbers, it's very hard to negotiate the best, best price on your behalf as a seller. I'm Dana Cornell. What I do is really take, pull the curtain back from traditional investing and wealth building and show people how true wealth is made and kept in this country by giving them access and opportunities to things that, you know, I couldn't in my former life. Welcome to the show. I'm Matt Shields. On Pass the Secret Sauce, we unscramble the life stories, skills, and secrets from the most wicked smart minds and interesting people to uncover their experience and recipes for success that will help you get an edge on your own life. My goal is to help you rein in on the chaos that life throws at us by learning from other high achievers. If you're new to the show, we have episodes with founders, CEOs, investors, and leaders. So if you like to learn and are motivated to improve your life, then kick back and listen to our guests pass their secret sauce. So house was busy. Uh, my father was a excavation contractor, still is. My mom was a kindergarten teacher. Mm-hmm. I was in every sport imaginable. Um, I have a sister three years younger than me, but it was, I would say that's one time where we all kind of, you know, dad came home from work. Mom was already there. Mm-hmm. Mom cooked most nights for us. Um, mm-hmm. So the four of us would sit down and eat dinner and kind of talk about the day and, you know, what happened. And, you know, that's probably the one time during the day that, you know, everybody came together. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And, and having a dad that was an entrepreneur, how do you think that that, you know, shaped your growing up, shaped your life, shaped your, the way that you dealt with things or, or looked at things? It's a big credit to, to who I became. And, you know, when I look back, one, I saw the struggles, good and bad, mm-hmm. of entrepreneurship. I also saw, you know, he's an excavation contractor, so I grew up working with him, you know, so I had a shovel in my hand. I didn't come from a world of wealth or anything like that. That's what made me want to learn that world. Mm-hmm. Um, taught me how to work hard, taught me how to count on myself, you know, taught me that if I don't get out of bed and do it and make it happen, you know, nobody's going to do it for me. So, yeah. Yeah, that, that shaped a lot of a lot of my path going forward. Yeah, all, all, that that mindset is lacking in today's world. I, I I feel you know there's there's a lot of people that you know agree looking more. for the looking for the handouts and gimme gimme gimme. So yeah, yep. What um so so um what were some of the challenges? I, I obviously you you picked um you know financial planning and finances to to get into. What was the catalyst that that you know, made you want to get into that industry? Was there anything that, that, you know, you can remember looking back and saying, yeah, yeah you know, I want to, you know, get into that. Absolutely. So, you know, we didn't, we, we were a very blue collar family, blue collar town. I didn't mm-hmm. know people of wealth. Um, so that was an interesting part of the world that I didn't have a lot of exposure to. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and again, you know, when I would work with my father and had a shovel in my hand and was, you know, angry when all of my friends are out messing around during the summer and I'm working, mm-hmm. you know, tell me, go get a skill set. If this isn't what you want to do for the rest of your life, you know, um, use this as a learning lesson. So that's mm-hmm. what I did. And, you know, then I moved into college. So I was a general kind of business major, kind of feeling it out, which did I like? And I thought I was going to law school. That was my plan. Um, during that time, my family went through, my parents went through some, some challenging financial times mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that kind of hit home right at the right time when I was trying to pick a path. So I actually deferred law school for a year and tried financial advisory mm-hmm. because I, that was burned in my brain as a recent memory. And I was paying for law school on my own. So, yeah. um, financial advisory was the cheaper of the two options, right? That cost me hard work. That's how I looked at it. And I knew how to do that. Um, so I deferred law school for a year and tried financial advisory and it, and it kind of stuck. stuck. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Um, if I guess, I mean, you, you kind of went through, um, your, your story of, of struggle. What, what types of, um, solutions have you realized now that you, you understand the finance world and you're, you're offering these services to other people? Um, what, what are, what does, yeah, what did that look like when you were on that path of finding like this is how this is how the wealthy people do it, right? These are the yeah. this is like unlike the blue collar backgrounds, you know, our 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 town is all blue collar people. What what were some of those differences that you noticed between you know the way that wealthy people were doing things and the way that you know you grew up and your family and and yeah. neighbors were doing things? Man, I'll tell you, this is this is really it's an excellent question because it's shaped my transition from my previous life at Morgan Stanley, a very traditional wealth management firm and my growth through that. So it's an evolution of, of things to answer your question, um, which ultimately led me to Cornell Capital. But you know what I've really learned is people are vastly uneducated about finances as a, as a whole, right? The true, true wealth is, is maybe a little bit more educated, but also has more resources as far as advisement, that type of thing. Um, And I think what I've learned, if I took one lesson away from it all is they take control of their finances. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is control of ownership, control as far as they understand what they own and know why they own it and know what to expect from that, Mm -hmm. which brings more consistency. And once you kind of stockpile all these little things that might sound minuscule, but you add them all together, that's how you build continuous substantial wealth right mm-hmm. instead of taking the traditional path and uh you know doing what the masses do just because that's what you're supposed to do and that's what you're told and you sign yeah. up for your benefits at work and you just do it because that's you know down the line of yeah, how things kind of evolve right yep yep so so what is that what does that path look like how do you get started on that path to like let's say that your goal is to you know be we don't necessarily need to name a dollar figure, but you want to be wealthy, right? You don't want to have to worry about money. And, um, you know, what, what would those initial paths look like that, you know, you're working for someone, you know, you have a W2 job, you know, maybe you have a 401k and, you know, you've been putting money into that. What are some of those shifts or those transitions that you would need to make to be able to, to make it to, you know, get to be considered wealthy? 
Yeah, you know, I when I look back, right, and for, here's another thing that I think has kind of reshaped my thoughts on how to build wealth. So I talk to my clients and the, the families I advise a lot about um, taking control back, but reversing your financial plan. I think it's very interesting that, you know, we're kind of trained and coached to save, right? Save, save, save. And everybody used to ask me, geez, what's the number I need to feel comfortable? Yeah. Right? And it's all relative, right? right? Everybody's number is different. But it's, it's to me, a bit counterintuitive to save, 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 knowing the end result, the reason you're saving that pile of money, however big or small it is, is to create income in the end. Mm-hmm. So you're going to wait until 30 years down the line and ride the ups and downs of traditional investments to hope that that pile of money matches your needs. And you really don't understand how the money is gonna be sent to you in a paycheck. So I just started reversing that financial plan. We started buying investments that create income now, right? We talk about buying your time back, right? So we break down your time you know, in financial increments and how much do we need to save and where does that money need to be invested to create income now that you essentially don't have to work or make work optional and kind of do it that way, right? The opposite of what most people do. And if you look at the wealthiest families, that's why they invest in private real estate. Mm-hmm. This is income, private businesses that produce income, right? So yep. that's the basis of what we do. And then we build around that for liquidity, that type of stuff. Got it. Got it. So, so would you, is it fair to be able to say, you know, you would, you would take evaluate the, particular person's situation, how old they are, how much money they have to contribute or to invest, you know, on an ongoing basis. And then you might recommend a few different types of vehicles to them, you know, to, to be able to get them to wherever it is that they're looking to get to. And- Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's traditional in the sense that we still kind of analyze the person, the situation, the ability to save. The difference is the vehicles that we're using in the sequence that we use them is much different than most people are coached up to, to do. Right? Got so it, we're got it. Finally putting it in a mutual fund or you know, something that you really have no control over, you probably don't understand in, in a lot of cases. Um, there's also a lot of peace of mind that comes from knowing what you own and why you own it. Yep, yep, yeah, that makes- Producing first. Right? And now are you are you helping identify these these opportunities or is it all you know is it essentially mutual funds or do you have a network of you know business owners or real estate investors or what have you that you that you work with that um, you can help generate that capital that they need to be able to do whatever the, the project is that they're that they're exactly. looking for yeah so I don't I don't rely on packaged products so to speak um, again a lesson learned is you know if you want the most opportunity for your dollar, you go directly to the source. Mm -hmm. So what I've done is kind of positioned myself and created a business model where I bring institutional level investments, but direct Mm -hmm. ownership to the individual investor. And our firm sits in the middle. I help guide that investor to the right risk return profile. And we're also doing all of the due diligence, all of the checks and balances that you know, if you're not in that world and don't have a team of analysts to do, it would be very hard to yep. do the proper research to make sure your money's protected and, and invested properly. Yep. So yep. I'm that quarterback in the middle, right? Providing yep. the opportunity and matching it to the right client. Yeah, makes makes sense. And and um, some of the results that you've that 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 your clients have realized, right? You know, so where they are today, 
basically, that's I guess that's the question is, you know, what what did what did yesterday look like, and now what does today look like after you know working um, with your firm? Yeah, you know, it's so I started out knocking on doors, mm-hmm. right, collecting small checks, um, built a book of business that was right around 1.3, 1.4 billion. Wow. Before I left, um, I walked away from that because I was sick of talking in historical averages and knowing that there's market declines coming, knowing that people weren't properly positioned, but I was kind of confined to what I could and couldn't do in that world, my previous world. Um, and I would, I would get all the time, people would say, man, if I could just make six, 6%, 7% consistently, I'd sign up for that all day long. Yeah, yeah. So now I offer investments that generate return that. seven to 10% income consistently yep. you know, with principal protection and the ability to appreciate on the upside. Mm-hmm. So that's what we base our assumptions on is that income number. And we could talk all day about what averages mean versus a consistent return. Yeah. Right? And people, very often people in my world, you're, you're taught to explain performance based on historical averages, not the actual dollars and cents, right? Not what really happened in the account. Yeah, yep. Averages sound better. Yep. Um, we don't do that, right? We, we work on consistent income producing returns and then the upside appreciation as a bonus. Yep, if we yep. Protect your principal and give you consistency. That's what we can actually plan on. That's what you can live on. Got it. That's how we do it. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. What And what, what are some of the... Um, I guess the qualifiers that you use, obviously the, the cash flow um, is one of the things, but what types of industries or, or assets are you, are you particularly interested in uh, promoting? Yeah, so good question. That's, that's why we have a team. You know, each market still evolves, mm-hmm. right? There's subsets of each market as well. So primarily we focused on real estate. Mm-hmm. Now we've moved into the private equity, small business, you know, there's a lot of baby boomers that have great, yeah. great cash flowing businesses, Yeah, but they make their widget well. They're not sales and marketing specialists. They don't want to put the operations team together. Um, so that's a bigger opportunity that I can see moving forward. It's going to be a much bigger part of our business. Sure. But even within real estate, you know, we did a lot of multifamily apartment complex type projects mm-hmm. two years ago. Mm-hmm. Now we don't do those as much. That part of the market's a little bit saturated. Yeah. Yep. A lot of self-storage right now makes a lot of sense. Yep. Right? Risk is lower. The opportunity is greater. Um, so really we're looking, you know, the qualifiers are we're looking for developers that have a, a long track record of doing what they've done and, and delivering, mm-hmm. making sure they pay the clients and put the clients first, no matter what, because things yep. will go wrong. Yep. yep. It's, up, it's all going to go perfect. They're, that's not true. Never yep. works that way. Exactly. Um, and we want to see a, a, what's a risk mitigation plan. You know, what happens when, when things go sideways, you yep. know, have you been through that? Do you know what you're going to do? Um, if you can communicate those things, it typically makes a client feel a little bit more secure that you know, at least you have a plan. Yep. Um, and then we find the best in class in those respective categories. And that's who I partner with. And it works well for the developer and it works well for the investor. Yeah, so it makes makes perfect sense. The, the the small businesses that you're investing in, are they in any particular industries or anything like that, or or is it pretty well yeah, all over? We're really industry agnostic, so to speak. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the only caveat is I typically don't do any service, you know, restaurants, bars, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, it's more avatar as far as the business, certain profit mm-hmm. margin, um, certain size, certain number of employees, time it's been in business, mm-hmm. um, growth track record, because we know we can step in, put the sales, marketing and operations to a business like that, mm-hmm. throw it at a reasonable pace, and then turn around and sell it at a bigger multiple to yep. a bigger buyer. So, so are you guys actually getting involved in creating those teams and those processes and systems like you, like a, a baby boomer, maybe that they've done everything analog on paper, you know, they've been around for 50 years, uh, you know, and they've never really digitized or anything. Are you, are you also there, you know, we can streamline this, automate this, this is the tool we can use for that. You know, you're, you're kind of putting that plan in place um, to be able to, to bring that business into, you know, the next generation and then ultimately end up, you know, uh, reselling it, you know, at some point in the future. Exactly. Yeah. So again, I, I have a joint venture with a team that that's what they've done for a long time. They've been mm-hmm. very successful at it. It took me about a year and a half to really find the right fit for myself and my clients. Mm-hmm. These guys are, they're pros, you know, yeah. that's, that's all they do is buy businesses like that. They have, they source them off market. So they're getting them at a great price. Yep. That's what they do. They come in, put sales, marketing operations on top of it. They know how to professionalize it and sell yep. it in a way that, you know, the average the average person selling a business doesn't typically do. That's yeah. why, you know, that we've all heard the stat: ninety nine percent of businesses don't actually sell. Yeah. Right? So yep. that's the nice thing. On the other side of that, we're creating a essentially an exit strategy for that that business owner mm-hmm. as well. So, and and if you were a business owner that was looking to sell. Uh, what what type of qualifiers or what type of things would you need to have in place in order to be able to make your company as attractive as possible to to be able to to realize the best the best gain? It's a good question. You know, I think the business owner oftentimes is the business, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're a business owner, and I've dealt with this with my clients that were business owners through the years, you need to have a team. You need to have a you know a system operations in place. Um, you need to have a clear marketing and sales strategy. And I think the bigger you can get your your net revenue number, the more attractive you are to anybody. Hey, it's Matt. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know that I've connected with hundreds of extremely successful entrepreneurs. We've interviewed multimillionaires, a few billionaires, top marketers, technologists, brokers, and so, so many more. Many of our guests have even landed on the Fortune 5000 or even the 500 list on at least one occasion. These people are doers, and these are the type of leaders that you want to be connected with and learn from. This whole thing started because I know that the fastest way to success was following others who have done what I'm looking to do first. We created Pass the Secret Sauce so that we could get our own business questions answered and that we could get access to the best minds in business. You see, entrepreneurs are my people, and I truly enjoy connecting with and learning from other successful business owners, and I wanted you, my listeners, to be the first to know about something new coming out. We're calling this 99 Entrepreneur Strong, and it's a community of like-minded business owners just like you who want to learn from and connect with other business owners to create generational wealth together. 
99 Entrepreneur Strong is a community of individuals just like you who want to strengthen their business, learn what techniques are generating revenue for other business owners, and perhaps even collaborating on future projects and products. The goal is to get your business growing so that you can begin creating generational wealth. As you probably know by now, we invest in large multifamily opportunities, and we want to help our network of entrepreneurs be able to do the same. Some of my best friends are business owners, and it's so much fun being able to create opportunities and grow together. With 99 Entrepreneur Strong, you'll be able to network with people from all sections of industry, from investors looking to deploy capital to new opportunities, project managers looking for investors, marketing experts, contractors, mindset gurus, manufacturers, and so, so much more. I've been at this entrepreneur role for a while, and I know it takes a community to make just one business work. And the 99 Entrepreneur Strong Community is my attempt to shorten your learning curve to get you plugged in to leading experts that you need fast. All this so that you can generate the capital to invest in other passive income opportunities, such as multifamily. Unlike other groups, 99 Entrepreneur Strong is a private organization that you have to apply for. Once you're approved in the group, we will match you with other entrepreneurs who we feel you will connect with. We hold monthly mastermind sessions where members will present their business story, what they need, and what they may be struggling with. And the group will offer suggestions, resources, or solve the business problems together. We also will hold other framework sessions throughout the month where other 99 Entrepreneur Strong members will present what they are currently doing in their own companies. Every session will be recorded and added to the library so you will have access to these resources whenever you need them. When you grow your business with scale, you can also impact other areas that are important to you. With the 99 Entrepreneur Strong Project, combined with our portfolio of multifamily assets and network of other entrepreneurs, our personal impact project is to eradicate the euthanasia of dogs. It's a lofty goal, but I know we can have huge impacts when we join together. So by applying to be a member of 99 Entrepreneur Strong, you'll learn how to make your business grow with tactical advice, you'll network and personally partner with other extremely successful individuals, you'll learn about other generational wealth building opportunities, and perhaps the biggest impact is that you'll help eradicate dog euthanasia. With that, I look forward to meeting you, learning from you, and helping you grow. To learn more, go to 99entrepreneurstrong.com. That's why we look for very specific things when we're on the buying side. We like 10 employees or more. We like a million of net revenue or more. Um, that's not a hard and fast rule, but 20 to 30% net profit margin works pretty well. There's some room to maneuver inside of that. Um, but somebody who just hasn't, hasn't kind of brought their business into the new age of, of the things you can create now. So yeah, 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 yeah interesting. Um, what would you say are some of the mistakes that people make when they are setting themselves up to sell? Is there anything that, that you see commonly that, you know, people shouldn't be doing and they, you know, keep, you keep seeing it over and over again, would you say? There's a lot there. Um, yeah. I mean, if I had to highlight some of the more common one, you're too emotionally tied to the mm -hmm. business, which is understandable, right? It's your baby. 
that's your blood, sweat, and tears for 30, 40, sometimes 50 years. Mm-hmm. Um, more often than not, you don't, you don't professionalize your, your business or your practice. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is audited financials, um, track record of growth, um, the right team in place, that type of thing, mm-hmm. right? Um, if you can't show proven results and performance and numbers, it's very hard to negotiate the best, best price on your behalf as a seller. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious too, you mentioned before, you know, putting in uh, sales and marketing uh, into, um, into a, a company or a business. Is there any uh, validity to, um, you know, going down the path of digitizing that business so that it is a little bit more plug and play, not so, um, you know, Susie, who you always did, you yeah. know, 50 different jobs, she leaves. And now you're trying to find somebody who has the skill sets that Susie did. And she was, she was over here. She was over here. She was over here. And, uh, you know, you basically have an irreplaceable employee at that point. Uh, you know, what it, does a, does a company become more attractive and more valuable when you again, digitize that process and sort of make it a little bit more plug and play where you know, people can be plugged yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you have if you have one, or even sometimes, depending on the size of the business, two employees that essentially—that's what I say when I when I say they are the business. That's what I mean. Yeah. Right? So you need to be able to have that owner or that key employee step out, and either systems take that over or somebody fill that gap. Otherwise, it's too much concentration risk in your employee subset. Yeah. Um, that will that will scare a lot of sellers or as potential buyers, excuse me, away from that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that makes sense. What, what other things do do buyers typically look at and get scared away by? Are, are there any, is there anything else that, I know that's a, that's a big question side, based yeah. on. Yeah, well, there's a lot, right? Um, if, if you don't have, you know, a, a decent competitive advantage, mm-hmm. if your, your industry is in a, a dying breed. If you, to your point of digitizing, if you can just be replaced by a technology or a system that's faster and cheaper than what you're doing uh, manually, yeah. that usually doesn't work, right? Um, I think just in general, it's if you haven't run a good business from all angles, you know, you've opened the door to to a lot of holes as far as potential risks to a buyer. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm you have to pay attention to all sides of, of that business, the financials, the marketing, mm-hmm. the team, um, you know, kind of really round out all the, all the edges, so to yeah. speak. And that's, that's how you have more interest and more opportunity as far as professionalizing it mm-hmm. and taking it, you know, to sell. Yeah. And, and then when someone does want to sell, what would be the best path? I mean, I, I know obviously there's, there's the path, you know, bringing it to you, um, but you know, what, what would you say is the, is the best path <clears throat> that they can take to be able to, um, again, get the most exposure for that business and make sure that they're going to, uh, I guess, be represented by, you know, a, a company properly and, and correctly to, to realize the best gain for, you know, potentially their life's work, right? Sure. You know, I think the best way to do that the most successful people I've seen, at least as far as my individual clients, and I don't know if I'm, you know, the most qualified person to answer this, but from my experience, and I've seen, you know, probably a hundred businesses bought and sold over the last 20 years, Mm -hmm. the people that started enacting a plan 
even five years out, but even if you did it two years before you think you might eventually want to exit and put all those pieces in place and find a professional advisor, there's plenty of businesses that will come in and help you put all these things in place. So by the time you list that business for sale, you know, you're, you're strategically aligned with what people are going to want to see from an opportunity. Yeah. And furthermore, you know, then you market it, right? It's no different than selling anything else. You have to get your message and your word out there. The bigger buyer pool that you're playing in, the more opportunity you have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what are some of the big uh, buyer pools out there? Would you say, are there any, are there any go-tos would you, would you say? And again, maybe that gets a little bit too much into your business too. Um, which again, you can not answer that if if you don't want not to. At all, not at all, not at all. And again, to be clear, I mean, I look at these as on my side now, it's more of an investment opportunity mm-hmm. for um, us to come in and grow that. That I look at it as a passive income stream, Yeah. grow it and then sell it for appreciation value for my investors. But, you know, I think when I say buyer pool, it's really, you see a lot of people either try and sell it themselves Mm-hmm. which you're very limited in your, in your reach. Yeah. You a local business broker who's, whose reach again is, you know, maybe quite a bit wider than yours personally, but not all that much, mm-hmm. or you can go to the other extreme and it's dependent on the size of your business and the revenue of who you'll attract. Um, to go to a business service and there's multiple out there um, that actually takes your business for you, you know, markets it professionally to, a network of hundred thousand different potential yeah. buyers. You know that's a whole different ball game. Yep. And it is dependent very much so on the size of your business and your net revenue and all that kind of good stuff. But um, you know, like anything, the more eyeballs you get on something, yeah, the, the better it's going to be. Have a yeah. better opportunity set. Yeah. And for yourself, you know, when you were making this transition, obviously you probably you started off with the smaller businesses and you kept growing this book, book of business, were there any, I know that you've shifted, you shifted through a couple of different industries. Um, would you say that there's any that are, you know, sort of turnoffs at this point or, or anything that you would steer clear from, or is it, you know, pr- again, pretty well, any business that it has those, those, those things, you know, that obviously has the revenue, you know, maybe has the systems. It's not in a dying market or it's not in a, an industry that's, that's going away. Is there, is there anything else that you've learned along the way as to, you know, maybe this, this industry isn't a good one to get involved in, or is it pretty well, you know, as long as the numbers make sense, then, you know, you should be, you should be good. I'm just yeah, curious. You know, again, I think, you know, this is, this is just particular to our group. Other people might have different opinions, but we typically stay away from the service industry, meaning restaurants, bars, that type of thing. Other than that, you know, we're really industry agnostic. It needs mm-hmm. to be the right opportunity and the right time to enter that business uh, with the right metrics that we, we have very specific buy box, so to speak, of what we're looking for. If yep. you check that box, we're interested. Yep. You know? yep. End result, again, the goal is to give my investors the right opportunity with the right amount of risk in each particular opportunity that we bring to them. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's what we're looking for. You were saying that you have a course that teaches people how to raise private equity, private, private funds. Um, 
Yeah, so you know, I mentioned how to find me. One of the ways is DanaCornell.com. Um, you'll see on there, there's a tab for my masterclass. So I realized, especially in the real estate space, or honestly, whether you're purchasing real estate or you're buying a business or you're running a business, mm -hmm. right? What makes most of those, those opportunities fail is lack of capital. Mm -hmm. So at the encouragement of some of my, my partners on the development side, they said, really, this is a skill set that people should know and could use. And if you have, if you're serious about raising capital, I teach a four week course. And then we have some, some coaching that goes on after that. Um, I break down my entire business, my entire process. We go very deep into investor psychology, who to profile, how to find them, how to structure meetings, how to pull out everything in them that's their concerns that quite honestly, they usually can't articulate themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and then how to have them really kind of walk into the right opportunity for them. Um, <clears throat> it's helped me raise well over a billion dollars of private capital. It's been refined over 20 years. Um, it's what I've taught my whole team now, mm -hmm. you know, for raising, you know, we bring in about two to 3 million a week right now mm -hmm. in private money. Um, so yeah, for those that are serious about learning a skill set that I feel is something valuable you know, you're getting more, you're getting negotiation, you're getting objection handling, you're, you're getting all the things that you can use in your, I use it with my kids all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's what it is. It's a four week course. Um, you can get all the details on that website. And uh, yeah, I appreciate you bringing it up. It's, it's been fun. And it's a way for me to kind of give back and add some value to the world. So yeah, no doubt. And obviously, you know, you know what you're talking about, raising more than a billion dollars over the years. That's, uh, that's an impressive figure. So yeah, you know, um, I think the key to that, the last thing I'll, I'll, I'll say on the topic is, you know, people often think when they hear that number that I came from, you know, right. that kind of world or that, you know, that my parents had friends like that. I mean, I literally started knocking on doors, asking for checks for 50 bucks into a college savings plan, you know, so it's, it's been tried by fire. It wasn't, wasn't handed to me. So I think that's why the process works. And that's mm -hmm. what resonates with a lot of people that really want to learn the skill set. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, and, and what are some of your, the results that your students have gotten? Uh, any, any figures there? Yeah, so it's interesting. I just checked in, you know, with most of the students, we kind of did a look back and said, you know, I track it through the course. Mm -hmm. So it's a four week course. My guarantee to the students is and by the way, the, the cost is, is 5,000 for the course. Mm -hmm. uh, I put two guarantees on it. Basically, if you don't like the course, you don't think it was valuable, I shoot your money back. I'm certainly not doing it for the money. Yeah. Um, but more importantly, because I feel so strongly about the skill set, I say to anybody that, that participates and follows the training, um, if you can't raise a million dollars in the next 12 months, I'll raise it with you, not for okay. you, but with you, because I want you to learn the skill set. Um, what's been interesting is throughout the first four weeks, because it's actionable every week, mm -hmm. um, the average student has raised 800,000 wow. during the class. Um, we have students that have raised 15 million since they started. Wow. You know, it hasn't been a year yet since I actually launched the training course. So, yeah. Wow. Um, that's impressive. And, and it, the, the people the people that have raised, you know, exponentially more than the other people, are there any character traits or anything that you can identify that these people had different or were doing differently than the other people at all? Yeah. Yeah, I can. And, you know, it comes down to the blocking and tackling of it, 
right? Mm -hmm. This is still a numbers game, right? So if you have a good offer and you know how to present it properly and you know how to have a conversation to, to really find out what people need mm -hmm. and add value to them, then it's just a matter of how many people do you contact? How often do you do it? Um, you know, it's, it's the repetition of it. Mm -hmm. Get better as you go. Um, but again, it's, it's a numbers game, right? So I can tell you the people that go on and I do a, you know, kind of an ongoing check-in accountability, you know, that type of thing after mm -hmm. the full course for people. Most of them have done that, that have excelled. And most, it's just, they put in more time and effort and they take on the identity that that's what they do. Yeah. Instead of, I'm a developer that now has to switch gears and go raise, you know, two, three, four, five million dollars. Yeah. They take on the identity. This is what I do when I provide investors this type of opportunity. This is how I do it. Yep. I yep. develop deals. Right? Yeah. That kind makes sense. Mindset shift for sure. And, and yeah. actually, one, one last question too. Do you find that, and I guess this, this might just be a characteristic of the device that you use to have people invest in, but are investors like, you know, you've, you've raised these funds and you're, you're raising them, I'm assuming, before you actually have the deal, you know, that that's ready there. So um, are you, are you finding that people are willing to uh, maybe you have a fund or something like that? I'm not quite sure what the, what that mechanism is. Um, but, but are you finding that the investors are willing to you know, invest money with you and then sit and wait for whatever that opportunity is? Uh, or, or are you establishing that relationship with them and, you know, then you're presenting the, the deals as you come across them, uh, to them. And then that's when they actually invest, when there's something to deploy the capital in. Yeah. Great question. And this is a lot of what we kind of work on in, in the course. Um, <clears throat> so my process is I don't take the money until I have a, a project, mm -hmm. but it is very much relationship based. So I need to know that person. I need to know what they like, what they don't like, what's a true fit for them. And then when I have that, you know, and the way I do it is I set it up on almost a capital call type situation, mm -hmm. just meaning they'll make a general commitment to me that if, if I can check all of these boxes that we agree is a good fit for them and solves their need, then they're in for the next project. So I almost keep them in a queue of, of who's up next, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, that's probably the best way I can explain it. Then I know exactly, you know, who's the right fit for the right type of opportunity. Yeah. And then we just match them up and make sure they're comfortable and they know everything of the good and bad of what it is and what it isn't. And uh, just keep moving from there. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. And does the course cover the, the, I guess the systems on how to manage all of that and how to identify the people and, you know, these are kind of the, the levers that you should make sure that you understand about this type of investor versus this kind of, kind yeah. of investor. Um, That's why I think, yeah. Didn't mean to cut you off, but yeah. yeah. Um, I get passionate about this stuff because to me, it's my whole world, but it's interesting. Um, that's why we start very heavily on the investor psychology and how to profile mm -hmm. them, how to find them, you know, mm -hmm. how to, how to make contact with them in the right way. Um, that's why I think people have so much success in the first four weeks, because once you get that, you know, that's the 80, 20 rule of doing this, right? yeah. if you profile them and get to their needs quickly, you know, the rest, yes, we go through everything from literally, how do I structure an agenda for a meeting to my seven step process of running the meeting to what systems do I use to keep them in the queue and keep them yeah. organized? We go through legal. We have an attorney come on, tell you how to structure things and make sure you don't get yourself in trouble raising money. Um, we cover literally, I 
pull back the curtain on my entire capital raising business and show you everything start to finish. Yeah. So love it. Love it. And and this is something that would would you say that anyone can follow? I mean, you probably have to have a you know an outgoing personality, but as long as you're willing to put in the work and the effort and make those calls and connections, pretty well anybody could do it, would you say? I absolutely would say that. We've taken some very introverted people and taught them the system and the process. The nice thing about it is it's so structured now. If you just follow the steps, mm-hmm. even if you're the shyest person, right? Mm-hmm. We all know a, a type A personality is going to latch on to this type of skill set a little bit better. Yeah. Um, but absolutely, everybody can do it. You know, it's so systematized at this point. You just have to do the step by step by step, and you're yeah. going to end up in the same spot at the end of the day. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Dana, this is fantastic. If people want to learn more about you, your your services, what would be the best way to reach out and get in touch? Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, you know, my firm is Cornell Capital Holdings with an S. So the website is simply CornellCapitalHoldings.com. You can also just go to DanaCornell.com that lists everything I do there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just DanaCornell3 at, on Instagram. Excellent. Excellent. Dana, this is fantastic. Um I, I'm looking forward to hearing more from you and different things that you might be interested in investing in. We play in the real estate space ourselves. You, you mentioned that not necessarily interested in uh, multifamily, but we've got uh, quite a few different properties that we're actively purchasing. So who knows? Maybe we can do business hey, at some point let me know what someday. Let me know what you're up to. Absolutely. You yeah. know, it's again, the same thing goes on the real estate side, right? I, I can make general statements about subsets of the market, but it's it's the individual opportunity. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yep. Makes so, perfect sense. Excellent. Yeah. Well, Dana, this is fantastic. Um, We will be in touch shortly. All righty. Hey, Matt. Thanks, man. Appreciate you having me on. Thanks for listening. And remember, pass the secret sauce.